Michael, this is all very confusing. This is On Markets with Remy Tino and Mike, the podcast where we decrypt and demystify economic, financial, and other investing concepts. Roth IRAs, the seemingly humdrum retirement vehicle intended to encourage Americans to save for retirement, has been stirring up a ton of controversy as of late. Joining us today, we have Michael Defoe. Mike reps an estate planning platform called Vanilla that we use regularly on the wealth management side of the business. And he's become an avid listener to the podcast. Thanks for joining us, Mike. Thanks for having me. If you have any questions, comments, or would like us to discuss your financial situation on the show, email us at comments at onmarkets.com. Also, if you like the show, don't forget to hit the follow button on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or whatever podcast platform you prefer. So, Mike D., you sent us over an article about billionaire tech mogul Peter Thiel. And I guess depending on your point of view, the ingenious or the unscrupulous way he's uh, used his Roth IRA to amass a whopping $5 billion. Why don't you give us a quick 60-second summary of the article, and then we'll open it up for combo. Yeah. So the whole idea is, you know, uh, IRAs, especially Roths, have limits on how much you can contribute. So how does this guy amass $5 billion if he's only in his, what, 50s? And and so that's kind of the lead-in question. And then the article, uh, I think it was probably by uh, ProPublica, goes into details about how, how he invested in private companies, you know, ahead of their IPO in within that Roth. And then as they they expanded in value, the, the Roth expanded with it. So that that's the starting point. And then my question is, how does the rest of us take advantage of that? <laughs> Mike, for our listeners that don't know how a Roth work, why don't you describe how a Roth works first so we can set the foundation? So a Roth is a type of IRA where, unlike a traditional IRA, where you can contribute and then deduct your contribution from your taxes, there is no tax deduction when you you make your contribution. The trade-off for that is everything that grows within a Roth IRA grows tax-free and is distributed tax-free when you retire. So the big advantage there is if I put enough money in and I get enough growth, I've got a gigantic tax-free income somewhere down the road, which is clearly what this guy has done. So Mike D, you alluded to the fact that there's a limited contribution that can be made to a Roth IRA each year. Right. Uh, what is it? Six grand. Six grand this year, yeah. It's six grand. And you have to make, I, I think there's a limit to what your income level is in order to contribute to. Is that correct? Yeah, yeah it's a couple hundred thousand dollars for a family. You know, more than $200,000 or so, you can't contribute to it. And so, the, you know, the idea with him is he's investing, you know, maybe $2,000 at 0.01 cents a share in a, in a pre-IPO company. And then after that IPO goes public, obviously the, the value of those shares go up and the value of the Roth goes up. And so the, the question is, how does that, how, how does the rest of us take advantage of it, right? My, my views are not Vanilla's views, right? I'm coming on just as Mike, <laughs> but I, I, I don't look at things like I want to attack the billionaires. I want to mimic what they're doing. How, how does the regular guy take advantage of these situations without having the legal teams and, and you know, the accountants and everything else? Um, and so I look at everything from that perspective and kind of dive into the details, finding it out. You know, occasionally you come across someone, yeah, it's probably skirting the, the legal limit, but a lot of times they're doing what's legally right. And so unless the law is going to change, the rest of us should try and take advantage of it as much as possible as well. Yeah. So I don't know, like you mentioned, you know, the rest of us don't have access to legal teams and so forth. I don't know that you need it, right? I mean, it's really what he did is just a result of, I guess, what some people would, would see as an unfair advantage or or whatever because of, of his position. But it's really just his investment expertise at a base level that has created that kind of wealth. I mean, isn't this just a bet on ta- tax policy or at least the, uh, the path of tax policy, right? Pay the tax today or you pay the tax in, you know, whatever, it's a couple decades from now. 
I mean, that, that's what it is, right? So if the, t- if the tax rate today is 10% and we think it's going to go to 20% over time, then the Roth makes sense because you pay the tax today versus years, years away, aside from the you know, discounting of you know, future cash flows and whatnot. But that's ultimately what this is. So if you think the tax policy is going to, or the taxes are going to rise over time, then the Roth IRA makes a lot of sense. I mean, that's how you use this. I mean, not everybody's going to have access to pre-IPO shares where they can just effectively make up whatever value of the share they want. I think there's a couple pieces to this article. You know, one is, one is Tino, what you just described. The other part of it is that, and this goes back a little bit to, to Tino, your thing, right? Whenever I read an article, I, I want to try to figure out what was the goal of the, of the author, right? What was, what's he trying to get across? And to me, when I read this article, this is, I want to take advantage of the opportunity to, to sort of vilify the rich, right? I want to, I want to incite people to get pissed off at rich people and sort of appeal to that part of, of people's personalities. And I don't know if this article is as much about finding a loophole in the law, which it really isn't. It's, it's pretty straightforward. Or it's about this guy had almost insider information type of a situation. And it's unfair because he's a rich guy and the average person could never do this because they're not in that position. So it's, to, to me, it's really two different topics. Yeah, that, that's fair. So, so right, I bank at Schwab. Let's just use a, a regular bank as an example, right? So if I want to contribute to my IRA, I go in, I can transfer from my checking account into the IRA and I can pick the contribution year and it has a limit. I can only do so much. Let's say vanilla is pre-IPO. How would I do that with vanilla? I can't do that through Schwab because the shares aren't, aren't available. It's not a company really. So you know, there is a sort that this isn't really available to everyday people. The concept is, um, but I, I don't know that the execution is as well. And so there's some nuance in the, in the details about how that actually would, would go about happening. So oddly enough, Mike and I have some experience in this arena, uh, personal experience actually. So it actually is available to the everyday person. They just need to know how to go out and get it, right? So, so I'm not smart enough. That's that's all right. <laughs> <laughs> that's so, why you listen to the podcast. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So I mean, in, in this situation, really, you need to go out and, and open yourself up a, a self-directed IRA, which is available to anybody. Anybody can do it. I, I'm not sure that it's uh, a very well-known vehicle. And I'm I'm not sure that the financial advisor that you're working with may understand that or, or even have even heard of it, but it is available to everybody. So this is really a matter of just doing your research. And to be fair, I'm not sure how the average person, you know, they don't know what they don't know. So I'm not sure how they do that research to find this out, but it really is available to anybody. So there's not really an unfair advantage to, you know, to the wealthy. And that that's really kind of a big point of, and I'm kind of leaning on what Mike said, uh, with a lot of these articles, it seems to be just demonizing a, a lot of the wealthy. And I don't know that I'm the only one, but I know I'm the only one of in my my small small circle of people that I look at things not demonizing and going, how do I do that? <laughs> you know, just always looking at it from from that angle, um, because a lot of times they aren't skirting the law; that they're just doing what's legally available to them and passing it off to their financial managers. I mean, I, I guarantee Teal probably is a little bit different, but Bezos and some of the others, they're not managing their money; they're not looking at that stuff. They're they're doing other things, and they have teams that that do that for them. And your thought of you don't know what you don't know—that's very very common. And a lot of people don't want to spend the time to learn it. And so, you know, just opening up the path of self-directed IRA, okay, I'm gonna look up look up that, and then figure out kind of the next steps and go down that. Avenue and figure out how I could test this theory out in my own practice. (laughs) 
It really isn't that difficult, right? You know, opening a self-directed IRA, again, you know, Remy said it's it's probably not something that the average person thinks much about, right? They see the ads on TV, you know, it used to be when, when IRAs first came out, it was, uh, what was the max, like $2,000. And, and everybody used to advertise, you know, and interest rates were high, everybody used to advertise, put away $2,000 a year, starting at 35 and you're a millionaire by the time you retire, or whatever the, the thing was. You know, I don't know that a lot of opportunity for investment firms to advertise self-directed IRAs. So it's not a secret, but there's no one out there promoting it. We talked a bunch on the show about, about me buying and selling real estate. I've done a bunch of it within my IRA. I have a, I have a self-directed IRA. I've probably bought and sold three or four pieces of property within that IRA. And yeah, I've, because I'm in a, a hot real estate market and I've been somewhat fortunate, you know, I've generated returns that would be unlikely for me to generate using a more traditional method. But just like anything else, there can be a lot of pitfalls when looking at self-directed IRAs too. So for anybody that's listening, that's starting to think, oh my God, this is, you know, I've never heard of this and, and I'm going to jump on this immediately. You need to find somebody who knows, really knows what they're doing and can give you the most accurate information up front. And that's near and, de- near and dear to Remy's heart. It is. Yes. I found this out the hard way. You just had an expensive lesson. Yes, exactly. So I, I hope everybody learns from my lesson and make sure you find out all of the details in regards to how you may or may not be taxed. Uh, because even though it is an IRA, like Mike said, I found out the hard way that you might actually be taxed in there and taxed more than you would if it was regular income. Well, I did a Roth conversion maybe four years ago. That was not a fun bill to pay. And I didn't really have that much money in my IRA, but again, it was a bet on where taxes were going. I figured I might as well pay the tax now. And uh, yeah, when you do that, you got to pay the tax right right then and there. And it was not a fun day to do that. So like Mike said, I, I think there are sort of a number of issues surrounding this article, right? So why don't we sort of touch on each one of them and, I, and I'm going to get your opinion on each. So let's first start with the philosophical issue. Is this something that is right or wrong? Because I think you have a lot of people out there that feel like the spirit of an IRA is to help middle America save for retirement. Should wealthy people or anybody, I shouldn't say well, should anybody be taking advantage of, again, I don't, I don't want to say loophole. It's not a loophole, but- Yeah, I'll start and I say yes. Yeah, I say yes, it should be available, right? I, I think of concepts like, um, just use Tesla as, as an example, the car, not the stock. The cars come out very expensive. Why? Because you need wealthier people to get the company off the ground so the diminishing prices can make affordable car for everybody. So making it available to everybody allows people to open it up and it has a trickle down effect. So I say yes, it should be remain available for everybody. From my perspective, as long as it's a level playing field for everyone, you know, I don't, I don't have any issue with it. I mean, the law is the law. It applies to everybody equally. Just because some people are more adept at finding ways to take advantage of it, I don't, I don't have anything against them, right? I, I, I don't come from that school of there's a, a limited amount of wealth out there, and if someone has more, I'm going to have less. I have no issue with what the law is, as long as it applies to everybody. Anything that screws the government out of taxes, I fully endorse. It's that simple. <laughs> wow, that's a statement. Legal or not, I don't care. Wow. Tino makes the most controversial statement on the podcast. That's that's unusual. <laughs> and with a little bit of hate in his heart, too. I have an absolute hatred for taxes, which is ironic given I lived in New York and California, but whatever. Yeah, I was going to say, how did, yeah. How did you how did you pick your your resident states? That doesn't make any sense. It 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 just killed me every every single paycheck and every you know April fifteenth or whatever it is. It just it haunted me every year. But I have an absolute hatred for taxation, almost all kinds of taxation. So next question. That's, that's going to be the next podcast. Is how do we pay for things? <laughs> right. So next question, Tino. We'll start with you. 
do you think taxes are going to be higher today or do you think taxes are going to be higher in 20 years because you're the one that brought this up? So I would, I would bet on taxes going up for a couple of reasons and they're, they're probably controversial reasons. But if you think about the direction of where economies are heading and where governments are heading and, you know, we're a wealthy country, uh, we're going to get wealthier. And with that is going to come policy that's going to be driven to increase taxes to pay for things and to redistribute wealth and all the other things that are going on right now. But I think it's just going to get amplified. So I do think that the long-term direction of taxation on income, especially, is going to go up. So my opinion is that it's better to pay taxes today, but there's an emotional component to that for me. I, I hate I hate have I hate delaying stuff. I hate feeling like, you know, I've got some bill that I have to pay somewhere in the future. So that colors my judgment a little bit. I do think that economically it makes sense as well because I think taxes are going to go up. I don't know anybody that doesn't think taxes are going to go up. For me and and listen, you know, we talked about Roths not being available to people if they make too much money. But there's a Roth conversion that's available to anybody. Most people do have traditional IRAs and they can convert those like Tino was just talking about into a Roth. You just have to pay the tax. But that tax is, is what the rate is today based on your income. And yeah, I, th- I think it's probably going to be lower now than it will be in the future. And I think there's value to allowing that stuff to grow tax-free and distributing it tax-free later on down the road. Mike D? I think in the short term, less than less than twenty years, certainly less than ten, it will definitely go up, and then I think I think it's going to plateau. You know, historically, the, the taxes have been very high for the wealthy, and it's dropped the last hundred years. Now it's at the lowest it's ever been. I think it's going to come back up, and with the agreements you have, like the U.S. just made with other countries and limiting the the business tax, I think you're going to see something similar in other kinds of taxes as well. So I th- I think it's going to go up in the short term and plateau after that. Last question. With greater reward comes greater risk. This is a retirement vehicle. Should the average person be looking into a self-directed IRA, Roth or otherwise, and then using that IRA to invest in, you know, the average person isn't going to be able to invest in an IPO, but to invest in alternative investments? No. <laughs> I don't think the average person- <laughs> Short and sweet. Time. I like it. I, I don't think the average person spends enough time learning anything about these things to, to have their hand in the pot. I think they should either leave it to professionals or, or leave it to, to robots or, or something else to make the decisions for them. I think I'm on board with that decision. Otherwise, we don't have a job either, right? That's, 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 <laughs> Self-serving that's response. I like it. That's what people need us for, yeah. I'm, I'm going to take the other side on this one. Look, I mean, it's self-directed for a reason. It's your money. You can do what you want with it. I don't want people telling me that I can or can't do something. So... Look at Peter Thiel. I mean, yeah, he's a genius and he's been very successful, but he took on a tremendous amount of risk and he got paid for it. So look, if he wants to, however he wants to allocate that risk and whatever vehicle he wants to use, that's up to him. You're going to have people that are probably going to take on too much risk, but where does, where's the line in the sand? You know, think about all the people right now that are buying, you know, GameStop and AMC and potentially even cryptocurrencies with their IRAs. I mean, you're going to, you're going to restrict that. Tino's ornery today. I, I think the question is, does the, does the government stop you from doing it? I don't think the government should stop you. I think if you're an average person listening to this podcast, you should not be doing that. Ex- yeah, that's a exactly. Because oh, yeah, yeah, Tino, the, the, the people that are buying yeah. meme stocks probably aren't buying meme stocks, stocks with their IRA. I know a lot. I don't know. A lot. Yeah. yeah. I, I would, I would wow, say- some risky people uh, out there. A very large- the, per- I mean, yeah, again- the tax, they don't have to deal with taxes. It's all within the account. As long as they don't cash out, it stays within that that- taxed account. Yeah. I mean, and also too the psychology, if you're 20 or 30 years old, I'm going to buy AMC. I mean, I've got two, three decades. So if I lose the money, no big deal. I'll just make it back. It, it's, it's all aligned for this type of stuff. I don't think people that are buying meme stocks are thinking about taxes. 
That's probably true, but that, my point was that I don't think people that are buying meme stocks even have IRAs to buy them with. The majority of people I yeah. know have have pre-tax or post-tax IRAs that they're using to, so they don't have to deal with it. They could buy and sell and not or have to worry about how much it went up and paying the tax after they sold it. I know professional investors right now that are that are playing or trading these names in their IRAs. 100% is happening. I mean, big time money too, because they're just taking advantage oh. of these retail investors. I need. I want to come up with more topics to argue with Tino about, but yeah, probably not this do. episode. Yeah, no. Listen, <laughs> you've brought out some crankiness in, in Tino, or either that, or his kids kept him up last night. I'm not sure what it is, but I, no, I no, kind of. I'm enjoying. Again, I'm enjoying. You start this. talking about taxes. You start talking about taxes. My blood boils. It's. I hate everything about it. No, I'm. In, I'm enjoying Tino being a little salty today. This podcast is created and presented by Darwin Asset Management, LLC and Darwin Advisors, LLC, collectively referred to as Darwin. Darwin does not make any representation or warranties and therefore takes no responsibility as to the accuracy, timeliness, suitability, completeness, or relevance of any information contained in this podcast. Any tax or legal information contained in this podcast is general in nature. Always consult an attorney or tax professional regarding your specific legal or tax situation. The information presented does not involve the rendering of personalized investment advice. Different types of investments involve varying degrees of risk, and there can be no assurance that any investment or strategy will be suitable or profitable for a client's portfolio. All investment strategies have the potential for profit and loss. Past performance may not be indicative of future results. Information presented is not an offer to buy or sell or a solicitation of any offer to buy or sell the securities mentioned herein.